Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we ask this morning as we consider the nature of love, that you would show us your love, uh, that we would know it truly, profusely, deeply in our own lives, that we would see it in its culmination of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, would we be filled with your love such that we in turn overflow into loving one another. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And when the world looks at our church, what does it see? I mean, on the one hand, it might just see that, right? The, the mug shots, that's from our, our last church camp last year. Uh, by the way, next church camp, next year, save the date, uh, 17th and 19th of March, whatever it is that we picked. 20th and 21st, very good. Cheryl's already uh, saved it. Of April or March? No, we've gone March, we've gone early. Yeah, definitely March. You're all aware now that next year we're having a church house party and you need to... Anyway, completely doesn't matter. What does the world see when they look at us? Now, on the one hand, we could say they see pretty faces or not so pretty faces or whatever it is that they look at. But really, the question I want to ask this morning is, do they see love? And in fact, not just any love, not love as defined by anybody, but the sort of love that can only be explained by the supernatural work of God. Now, maybe asking about the church is a bit too broad and you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, maybe, how about if I ask it about you specifically? What do your friends and family see when they look at you? Do they see in you a love that can only be explained by the supernatural work of God? See, God is love. That is what they should see. They should see a love that can only be explained by the supernatural work of God because that is who God is and therefore that is who he makes us to be. You might have noticed that as, as this chapter, we're going to jump around a little bit in the chapter today, by the way. So you will find it very helpful to have your Bible handy. Um, it, it really is like an onion. You kind of get layers and layers and layers and we're just going to go around and around and around a bunch of times. Right. But if you notice, a number of times we see God is love. Second half of verse 8, God is love. Verse 16, God is love. And so by the time we get to verse 19, the conclusion is we love because he first loved us. God is love. It's in his very nature. In fact, in John chapter 17, I've got the passage here, don't bother looking up, John 17 and verse 24. Listen to Jesus as he's praying to God. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Before the world existed, into eternity past, God loved. The Father loved the Son. The eternally existing relationship between God the Father and God the Son was one of love. And so when we read in verse 7 at the start there of today's passage, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. This is why. Because God is love. In one sense, the Bible speaks of judgment, God's work of judgment, as his strange work. He will do it because he is holy. But it's not something that necessarily is within him in the same way that love is. God didn't exist in a pre-eternal judgment of the Father upon the Son. 
God existed in love. It's part of God's nature. Such that everybody who is connected to him has that love through them as well. In one sense, today's chapter is kind of a summary of the whole book. That we would be so deeply transformed by the love of God inside of us that we would live out this supernatural love of God. There you go, there's the summary of today's talk. God's love inside us, living by God's love, such that we will live out God's love. Now, if you're following in your outline there, you'll see I've got, uh, well, those two topics and then a couple of subtopics underneath of them. So firstly, living by the love of God. That is, we begin by knowing the love that God has for us. That's where we have to start. We start with knowing what God has done before we go anywhere near what we must do. And I've got three headings under that. Born of God, manifested, and no fear. Firstly, we live by God's love for us as we are born of God. We are changed. Have a look. We'll read from verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Or jump down to verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. It's one of Jesus' strangest teachings. I don't know if you remember the the, the episode. He has an encounter with one of the religious leaders of the Jews And Jesus says to him, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And the guy's looking at him going, what are you talking about? What do you mean born again? How can a man go back where he came from, if you know what I'm saying, and come out again? I mean, what? How can you be born again? What are you talking about, Jesus? Jesus says, no, 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 not not of flesh, not of your mum, but of the spirit. Born of God, connected, the the umbilical cord connected to God, if you like, such that you receive his nature. See, what you are born of dictates what you are. If you are born of a dog, right, you will be a puppy. Isn't that nice? Let's just have some puppies in the middle of a sermon. We should do this more often, right? Isn't that lovely? But now just stop and think for a moment. It becomes very obvious if you are out of place. If you don't belong to that set, right, can you spot the odd one out? That's a pig in the middle of the puppies, by the way, just in case it just gets lost in the middle of it. Born of God, such that we are of God, such that who we are inside is of his nature. It sounds very strange, right? Be born again, be born of the spirit. But did you note the parallel? Come over to chapter 5 and verse 1. Uh, in fact, now let's go. What have I done with my notes here? This is where you're scribbling at the last minute doesn't help. Now let's just go to chapter 5, verse 1. Right, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So don't get lost and caught up into being born again and the spirit stuff as being somehow this strange, ethereal thing that happens. It's tied up with Jesus. To be born again is to be connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, to have placed your trust in him such that your life is in his life. 
If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, we read in 4.15, God lives in him and he in God. To be born again is to have entrusted yourself into Jesus, into his death, into his resurrection, into the new life that he lives, such that when the Spirit is poured out, which he did having returned to heaven, we are recipients as well. Now, this, this is fundamental, okay? This is the very heart of the whole thing. It's not just a, Jesus isn't just a motivator. Yeah, he was a good guy. He, he did what we need to do. We need to follow his example. It was a great example. We should copy it. Well, that's just motivational speaking, isn't it? Go, go do the good thing. You can do it. Yes! This is more fundamental than that. We, as Christians, are connected to God by his spirit, such that his nature becomes our nature to be one of god's people is to be changed to be transformed to be reborn into his well renewed image perfected and being perfected and so dear friends again verse 7 here's the summary let us love one another for love comes from god everyone who loves has been born of god and knows god Okay, so we live by the love of God, firstly, as we are born again, entrusted into the Lord Jesus, given his spirit that begins that transformation. We receive God's very nature to be lovers like he is. Secondly, we live by God's love as his love is manifested. God's not someone who talks the talk. God walks the walk. So loved that he didn't spare his only son. Have a look at verse 9. How do you know that God is love? Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Or if you look at the footnote there, as the one who would turn aside his wrath, taking away our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. This is love. Love in action. When we were enemies of God, God sent his son to die in our place. We are, we're doing Christianity Explored at the moment. And Wednesday night... Uh, this past Wednesday, we had a really interesting discussion about what does it mean when Jesus on the cross says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How is it that Jesus could speak of God having forsaken him? And we spoke about the weight of the debt that each one of us owes. This thick tome, this massive book of like Lord of the Rings times five of all the things that we have done and thought and failed to do in life that weighs on us, that in Jesus was placed upon him. That is love. It's very easy to say, oh yes, yes, I love. Yes, I'm, I'm a loving person. Very easy to say that. I love the brothers and sisters at church. But it's very hard to do. It's very hard to be the person who, just, just reflect for a moment on the last fight you had, last conflict, the last disagreement. And in particular, I want to think of a moment when you were in the right. Maybe that was just every conflict you've ever been in, perhaps, uh, but just for a moment, right? When was the last time you were in the right? 
And I just stop and reflect upon what would it take for you to go and take the initiative to fix that. To go and eat a bit of humble pie and say, no, I want to restore this relationship. Rather than, oh, I'm in the right, you're right. No, right. You want to understand what true love looks like? Have a look at chapter 3, verse 16. Come back a little bit. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. You know what love looks like? Looks like that. I, I, I went Googling true love, just for fun. What do you think came up? The song? Love, true love. Anyone? Anyone? All right. I mean, my, uh, my alter ego, uh, Wesley and Princess Buttercup and the Princess Bride. Do you want to go and, uh, and find some quotes on true love? You can go find them there, as you wish. That's right. Woo, wav, wav. The minister at our wedding, I only found this out afterwards. Before we walked in, like I was out in, in the little wing and Edwina hadn't come in yet, did that segment from the Prince's Bride. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement. Uh, I don't think my mother in law was impressed. Anyway, if you want to know what true love is, the Prince's Bride, that's not where you go, you go here. You go to the cross. You look to Jesus who sacrificed himself for his worst enemies. I don't have many enemies. I have people I don't like and I have people that I disagree with occasionally. I don't think there are people who are actively in rebellion against me. After church tonight, you can tell me if you are. But (laughs) the thought of sacrificing my child for the people that I least like is, is, is so far removed from any reality that I might ever possibly consider. In fact, in my case, it would be wrong to sacrifice my child for them. In God's case, his child was also himself. It's God himself showing and bearing love. But that's exactly what he did. It's no wonder then that John says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. This is who God is. We live by the love of God. And so we live with no fear. You ever seen this t-shirt? Right, someone, someone came up with a cool little logo, no fear. And it's, it's meant to be this brand that encapsulates fearless adventure and, and, and recklessness and just living it out because there's nothing to fear in life. It's a very silly t-shirt because the world is full of things that we ought to fear. And I don't know about you, but it feels to me as if fear is on the rise. It just the, the general level of threat that we live in as a society. There's the whole terrorism stuff, and you, you kind of that's always there. But even even just reflected in the kids playing outside. So rarely these days do you see kids play outside. And every time I ask someone why, there's always this vague sense of unease. Oh, they're going to get kidnapped. They're going to. I don't know what it is, but. They're going to get hit by a car. You just never see that. We're fearful. And it's right to be fear. In fact, we ought rightly to fear God. No fear really should be replaced with no fear means no brains. You should fear. It is right to fear God. See, who of us can honestly say that we have done all the good that we possibly could? Which of us can honestly look back at our years and say, yes, 
every single opportunity that I ever had to do good, I did it. No. It's right to fear. But if you live by love, by the love of God towards you, then there is no fear. Look at verse 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. See, we Christians live without fear, not because we're perfect, not because we are sinless and we know that on the judgment day we'll be right. Yes, got it covered. No, on the contrary, because we know the love of God. Because in this world, being like him says that we are connected to Jesus. We are connected to the one whose death brings forgiveness. Whose resurrection brings new life. We live without the fear of judgment day. Because we are already loved. Right, so firstly then we live by the love of God. Connected to him, born again, such that we are changed, transformed from the inside out. We live in the shadow of the cross where God's love is manifested. It's demonstrated. God's character of love is shown in the death of Jesus for us. We live with no fear, certain of heaven. Not because we're optimists. Not because it's just, yeah, she'll be right, mate. No, our sin says that's not the case. But rather because we are loved. And in love forgiven. Now, knowing then that love, living by that love, John tells us what we ought to do is love. Live out the love of God. If you know God, if you are connected to God, if you are born of God, then you must love. And I've got... Two little sub-points here. Firstly, love towards God and secondly, love towards each other. I mean, remember Jesus, right? What's the first and greatest commandment? Joe just read it for us in the prayer book, so if you don't remember it, uh, you've got a short memory, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Love God. It's funny, in this passage, it's almost assumed. John doesn't say, love God. I, I just take it, takes, if God loves you, you're going to love God. In fact, the one thing it does give us is a little test, a negative test. Look down at verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, right? The assumption here is that you're going around saying, I love God. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. He has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. Do you love God? Then you will love his children. It's an interesting phenomenon, the love of fathers that gets passed down to children. I think you see it really clearly in ministry life. 
Uh, my, my children are loved. It's, it's an astonishing thing. The, the, in one sense, random strangers to my wife, because she, she doesn't know them from other congregations or whatever, who will walk up and, 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 and pray for our children and give gifts to our children and want to care for them and love them. and just There's this strange love. You love the Father and it gets passed down to the children. I, I experienced it myself as a child. I grew up a long way away from any family, right? We were 18,000 kilometers away from our nearest relatives. And yet I can tell you that I had more aunts and uncles than I possibly have biologically. Because there were many, many, many men and women who loved my parents. And it showed in how they loved us. It's just a natural thing. Now, when it comes to God's family, how much more so? These are the people that God sacrificed for. But you don't love them? No, John says, if you love God, the assumption there is that being loved by God, you will love him, you will love his children. And so we ought to live out the love of God towards each other. You know, anonymous Christianity is is just the biggest contradiction possible i just this last couple of weeks i heard of another guy who's calls himself a christian and just hasn't been to church for a while and it's okay i I don't don't really need church do i i mean i can i can do my own christian thing i think you missed the point in fact look at verse 12 god's love is completed as we love each other verse 12 no one has ever seen god But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. God's love isn't designed to stop at us. It's not like the love comes to you and it's now achieved its purpose. It's to come to you and then flow through you into others. You've truncated it if you stop it at you. Again, we saw it in verse 19. We love because he first loves us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. Anyone who doesn't love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Again, we must love those that we see if we claim to be those who love the one we can't see. The love of God overflows, if I can put it that way. To be connected to God is to be like God, such that his love flows out. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. You might remember in John's Gospel, Jesus said to his disciples, this is how people will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. And he didn't mean that just because that's his teaching, right? You're my disciples and my teaching is that you love one another. He meant that because they would be changed. You will be people who love. But no, John isn't, uh, he's quite aware that this is a very difficult command. That you might be sitting there thinking, well, maybe I'm, you know, maybe it's not really, the the love's not really there. It's, It's kind of gone a bit. But know that John does command that we love each other. He has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. I'll put it this way for you. You can only love like God if you've experienced the love of God. You can only love like God if you've experienced the love of God. But you must love 
like God, if you've experienced the love of God. You can only do it if you experience, but you must do it. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Oh, that was Jesus' second greatest commandment, love your neighbour as yourself. And it makes sense. How is it that the entire Old Testament law is encapsulated in those two things? Well, because if I'm busy loving God, then I won't be loving idols. And if I'm busy loving you, then it's kind of difficult for me to steal from you. If I'm busy loving you, it's kind of hard for me to murder you. If I'm busy loving you, I won't covet from you. If I'm busy loving you, I won't be bearing false witness against you. It's very powerful. God's people will want to love out of obedience and out of a changed heart. And love in practice, not just in theory. Again, it's very easy to say, oh yes, I love. Yes, I love God's people. They're great. I love seeing their faces in the pews every Sunday. And then I don't have to think about them again until next Sunday. That's not love. Now it's very easy to love in words, but you can't love somebody without talking to them. You can't love somebody without serving them, without giving for them, without sacrificing for them, without praying for them and with them. You can't love without time. And this is one of my biggest worries for us. I'm talking to us as a church now, the Christians here. I look around and sometimes I see people who are very happy to come to church on a Sunday. Stick around afterwards, 8 o'clock, have a little chat on the way out the door. Maybe even stop outside. You're one of the keen beans. And you stop just outside the door after you've gotten past the Joe blockade. And you're out there having a bit of a chat. And that's lovely. And that's it. And I worry, how is it that you, I'm not worried for me, I'm worried for you. How is it that you are loving God's people if that's it? In the 10 minutes after church that I get to chat to somebody, you you get to do this. Hi, how are you? Isn't the weather great? What happened in the football? See you next week. I mean, and the football's optional, right? And, And if the family of God doesn't matter to you, What makes you think you are in it? Now, I want to talk to you for a moment if you're here and you're not a Christian. Because I recognise that I'm holding up a a sort of an ideal, this this picture of a Christian as, as somebody who loves in this phenomenal way, And you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, hang on a second. Because I know Christians and I I don't know if that's quite what they're like all the time, to be perfectly honest, David. I want to remind you that we Christians live by the love of God. I, I know we fail. I know that we again and again and again don't live up to that high standard. And we know that. But we live forgiven. We know that we're imperfect. We're on the destination. It's the journey, not the destination. Right? We're moving towards somewhere that we're not there yet. But we live as forgiven people. 
with no fear because of that. We fail, yes, but we live with great confidence even in failure because Jesus has died for us that we might be forgiven. If nothing else today, I want to invite you to come and know that, to come and share that certainty, that confidence, to be able to wake up today and know that no matter what happens, my future is secure in Jesus. No matter what happens tomorrow, my future is secure in Jesus. No matter if I fail, no matter if others fail and hurt me, my future is secure in Jesus. I want to invite you to come and know that. If you're a Christian, look, maybe you've felt a little bit of a sting today. Maybe if you pulled out a little audit and you sat down and you audited yourself, and I don't mean just your, your intentions, but your actions, your time. I wonder if it would show a bit of a love deficit. I want to say to you, go back to God's love, if that's you. I'm not going to, this isn't a go and do, first and foremost. We love because God loved us. You need to go back to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever doesn't love doesn't know God. So go and know God. Spend time with him in the scriptures and in prayer, dwelling upon him. Go and find brothers and sisters to encourage you in this. The antidote to not loving isn't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's go and be loved. But I also want you to commit yourself to obedience. He's given us this command. If you love God, love your brothers. Commit yourself to obedience. Love doesn't come easily. By its very nature, it requires sacrifice, giving. Make hard calendar decisions. If if you don't book it in, it's not going to happen. It's as simple as that. We're we're very good, in in my family, I mean we now, um, we're very good about talking about deals. Oh, we really ought to, and you insert whatever you want, we've talked about it. We really ought to do this thing more. We ought to have people over more often. I really ought to give Edwina a break more often. Uh, There's just all sorts of things that we talk about all the time. The only things that ever happen are the ones where we go, we really ought to, and then we pull out the calendar and we put it in there and then. The only time those things ever happen. Here's some suggestions. Today, organise three meals that you're going to have with someone. Just over the next month, the next six weeks. You go to their place, they come to yours, you go out together to McDonald's, doesn't matter at all. Three meals, organise them today. Join a Bible study group. Or if you're in one and perhaps been a little bit slack, recommit to attending. Put it in your calendar... If, if, you, if you use an electronic candle like I do, it's really easy to make repeating things. So just put it in for two 15-minute blocks to make two phone calls a week. Just pick the phone up, call someone, doesn't matter, someone from church, hey, how are you going? How can I pray for you? That, that's it. You should start with those literal words. Hi, how are you going? What can I pray for you? Right, that'll do. They'll tell you. You pray, hang up. You're allowed to chat more if you want to. That's okay. But... This is the last one I want to leave you with. Remember your confidence. Remember that love drives out fear. Remember that even in our failure we are forgiven. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Remember that. The Lord Jesus Christ died for you. Remember his love, that that might 
lead you in turn to love others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, harsh and yet compassionate word. We thank you that you first loved us when we were so much more than failures, when we were enemies of your son. You sent Jesus to die in our place. Thank you. Thank you for that sacrifice that is beyond anything we could dream of, that we could imagine, that we could ever repay. Thank you that it's a sacrifice we don't need to repay. Your love manifest in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you love us so much, Father. Please give us new birth by your spirit that we might have your nature. We might be puppies, not pigs. That we would learn to love like you love. And Father, we ask this, that the world might look upon us and see you. And we ask this for your glory. Amen.